Well, good morning. Those of you that uh, tuned in last week, you got to hear a word from Mark. He preached a sermon on the best is yet to come, and nobody came. Did anybody show up? Did anybody? Oh, we got a few. We had two. Two show. Three. Wow. We really tried to communicate out to you guys to let you know that... We appreciate your passion and your desire to join with us, but uh, we wanted to keep everybody safe, so we decided to postpone our two services. But if you tuned in to our our first ever online sermon only for the Sunday service, um, you would have heard Mark share this message on the best is yet to come. And one of the things that he highlighted was the freedom that comes in Jesus through the new covenant. And he highlighted a true freedom, a freedom to be able to run into all of what God has for us. How many of you can say that that's what you want in your life, that you want to run into all of what God has for you? I have to say that hearing that message, I listened through it a few times. It was 20 minutes, so you could listen to it about three times, and then you feel like you really, you can memorize it, right? But, you know, I I was thinking about how this is in my life, and it got me just digging in the Word a bit. And, you know, sometimes as a believer, maybe you're like me, and you've experienced this freedom. You know about it. I trust you've experienced it. Uh, And I know that it's something that I want, but not all the time do I feel like I have that freedom. It's like the best picture I can give you is looking at a field. You know what the freedom is. You know that you can kind of run and get from here to there. But you just can't move. It's kind of like running in two feet of snow. Anybody ever try to run in snow? All right, it's not a good idea. It's a lot of work. It's really hard. Um, But sometimes it feels like um, we're caught up and we're stuck in snow. And we want to run into the purposes of God, but we just can't quite move. Well, I have good news for you this morning. We are going to melt some snow. Does anybody want to melt some snow around here? All right, I want to melt some snow. So this morning, that's what we're going to do. And we're going to look at some scripture. So if you've brought your Bible with you, we're going to look at Galatians 6. And we're going to read from 7 to 10 in the ESV. It says this. It says, Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever one sows, that will he also reap. For the one who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption. But the one who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. And let us not grow weary of doing good, for in due season we will reap, if we do not give up. So then, as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone, and especially to those who are in the household of faith. So we're going to take some time, and we're going to unpack what Paul's writing to the church of Galatia here. The first thing that I see in verse 7 is he's saying that what we sow, we reap. So what we do in life matters. So be intentional. So that's just for free, okay? But really, how we do life matters. Verse 8 says and shows us that we either have two paths. We can either sow in the flesh or we can sow in the spirit. We have the option to give ourselves to the flesh or to give ourselves to the things of the spirit. It's where we give our time. And friends, how we do that and how we sow in our lives matters. The first area that we're going to just spend some time unpacking is maybe a bit of an uncomfortable one. It's sowing in the flesh. I'm going to talk a little bit about this and unpack it because I think if we understand this, it's going to set us up well to sow in the spirit. Because how many of us want to melt some snow? All right, okay. You agreed to this. 
Galatians 6, it says, For the one who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption. The word flesh literally means that which is corrupt. Moral decay. It's referring to that which does not last and what is perishable. Okay, so let me give you a bit of an example. Do you guys like food? All right, okay, me too, all right. So if you could picture the most delicious, incredible meal, I'll tell you what I'm going to picture. I'm going to picture a really good, bloody steak. All right, that's me, okay. All right, maybe not everybody out there likes steak. Maybe you're a vegetarian, so you're picturing a really nice piece of grilled chicken, because chicken's pretty much a vegetable, right? Okay, okay, I'll be fair, all right, okay. A quinoa salad, all right. So whatever your fancy is for food, whatever that thing is that you go, oh man, you're making me hungry, Paul. Here's a promise. That hunger will come back. You will not be satisfied to an end. You'll enjoy it in a moment, but it doesn't last. Right? Okay, so this is what he's referencing. He's referencing the things of the flesh, that which does not last. Here's another really good example, materialism. Jesus spoke about this, actually, in Matthew 6, 19. He said, Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy, where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroy, where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. We know that stuff doesn't last. You buy a car, it breaks down. You buy a TV, it gets old. You buy a house, it needs repairs. Right? And it's interesting that we can get so excited about this vehicle or this thing that we want, but you know, it fades. You get all excited and you go, oh, I'm getting a brand new Toyota Tacoma. It's kind of what I would like, but it's not going to happen. But then you know what? I'm going to get that truck, but within a period of time, it's going to get old. It's not going to fulfill that void. And I'm going to have to get the next newest one and then the next one. And we start chasing something that has no end. It has no eternal significance. It does not last. This is what he's referencing when he talks about the things of the flesh. So when we're living for our comfort, when we're living for our convenience or for our pleasure, we will be left unfulfilled. We will never fully satisfy these things. So Galatians says that if we sow to our flesh, or put another way, if we live for ourselves, that we will reap corruption. So what does that mean? What does it mean to reap corruption? I'm so glad you guys asked. All right, so watch this, okay? When we're living for our flesh, the first thing it corrupts is our perspective, okay? It corrupts our perspective. We elevate our comfort and our security above our relationship and our trust in God. Okay? It's corrupting our perspective. We start looking at the wrong thing. So then we take our eyes off of Jesus, and we start to focus on circumstance around us. As we focus on circumstance around us, then we start to walk by sight. But God says to walk by faith. When we get caught up looking at circumstance, and we take our eyes off of Jesus, we forget about this incredible God, the promises that he has, and that he says that we can walk by faith. And all of a sudden, we find ourselves in this emotional roller coaster. I'm good, I'm bad, I'm good, I'm bad. And we struggle with the life that we are living because we're faced with obstacles. And ultimately, all of a sudden, we find that we're doing life 
walking to the light of our own torch. Because we've taken our eyes off of Jesus and we're making, um, or we're relying not on God and his plans and his promises, but we start to rely on our own perspective. We rely on our own ideas, our own opinions. And maybe we have great opinions, maybe we have great perspective, but this isn't how God's called us to live. Do you follow me? See, it does start really small for us as believers. It starts small. Um, It's as small as a seed. It can be one seed. Here's a scary reality. One seed can start a forest if we let it grow. If we let it carry on and just reproduce and reproduce, it can start a forest. Have you guys ever seen Scotch Broom? You know what Scotch Broom is? All right, okay. Well, Scotch Broom came to Vancouver Island in 1850. Somebody thought it'd be a good idea to bring it here and plant it in their garden. All right, now it's taken over everything. This is the reality of it. If we let the flesh thrive, it will take over. So the scripture says, and I'm sure you've heard Mike say, he was just talking about this a couple weeks ago, that he said that the flesh and the spirit are at war. They're competing. The flesh and the spirit in us are at war. What are they fighting for, friends? They're fighting for our attention. And here's what's at stake. The fulfillment of God's purposes in our life. This is what's at stake. It's serious. And God wants us to run into the freedom that he has for us to become all that God's created us to be. We can quote the the recruitment slogan for the U.S. Army, become all that you can be. God wants us to become all that we can be. But you see, when we sow in the flesh, it corrupts our freedom as believers. It entangles us. It slows us down, and it does it one step at a time. It shackles us to sin. It distracts us from the very call of God on our lives. The flesh corrupts. If we let the flesh thrive, it will lead us down some dark and scary paths. This is interesting because how many of us have looked around and seen fellow believers beside you who have run so hard and you go, man, I wish I had what they had, you know? And, and then all of, a see them, all of a sudden we see them in burnout and they're worn right out and they throw in the towel on, on their walk with God and they're just fried. Or worse, we see believers that have done the same thing, done so well, and then all of a sudden they're caught up and tangled in sin. This stuff happens, and this happens to believers. And this happens when we let the flesh thrive. And, I, you know, I, we have this tendency to make a mess of life, don't we? You know, the scripture says that we all sin and fall short of the glory of God, and we're in a reality where we're working out our salvation. So, Rest assured, I'm not standing here telling you that I've got this all sorted out, that I battle with my flesh and I battle to let my spirit rule in my life. I think we all do. But you know, there is this reality that we do make mistakes. And I've got a younger brother who's about four years younger than me. And you guys know how guys like to chirp each other back and forth and they like to kind of give each other a hard time. And my brother a few years back told me uh, one of the chirps that his buddies would throw back and forth when somebody would kind of mess up or do something or they would, they would make a statement. They would say, you suck at life. That was the chirp. And it was kind of a pretty big one, right? You know, you hear that and go, ooh, that cuts. You know why it cuts is because, you know what? We make mistakes. And I really felt, I was just 
mulling through this word, and I really felt that there's probably some of us here that maybe are sucking. We're not doing great. Maybe we've struggled, and maybe you've, maybe you've made a mess of things. Or maybe you just find that even after you're hearing some of this, as you go, man, Paul, you're poking me like a chiropractor. You're finding all the sore spots. You're, you're highlighting areas where, man, I'm kind of living for myself more than I should be living for God. But, you know, like a chiropractor, he pokes that spot to find it. And then he makes an adjustment. And all of a sudden you feel amazing, right? So this is what God wants to do. So if you're feeling a little, Ugh, God wants to bring good adjustment, right? Okay, so... If this is you if, you, if you can attest to some of these things, I want to say this to you, that if you feel like you hear that statement, you suck at life, and you feel like you want to put your head down, what you need to hear this morning is this. You have the very author of life, God himself, living inside of you, who says, I want to do life with you. So maybe you suck on your own ability over here. Maybe you just have stuffed it up. But God says, I'm with you, I'm for you, and I want to do life with you. He says that we can walk in step with the Spirit. This is the promise that God has for you. This is a good news, right? This is a good promise. So no matter where you're at in life today, you don't have to sow in the flesh. We can just choose to sow in the Spirit, and God is going to take us somewhere amazing. Amen? All right. So this is the freedom we're talking about. It's a freedom to walk by the Spirit, a freedom to sow in the Spirit and walk into all of what God has for us. So how do we get there? If we want fruit in our lives, we have to sow. That's where we start. We have to start by sowing. So let's look at sowing in the Spirit now. So the Scripture in Galatians says, the one who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. Well, what does that mean? If I sow in the Spirit, I can earn eternal life? That somehow my efforts earn salvation? Is this what Paul's saying? No, friends, that's not the good news. You know what that is? That's fake news. That's not the good news. That's fake news. So here's the reality with this, the context. We've got to understand the context of what he's saying here. He's writing to believers. He's writing to Christians, and he's encouraging them towards good deeds and living by the Spirit. The Scripture's clear that salvation from judgment, that salvation from our sin is a free gift. If you don't believe me, argue with the word. The Scripture of Ephesians 2 says, For by grace you have been saved through faith. That this is not your own doing. It is a gift from God. Galatians 2.16 says, A person is not justified by works of the law, but through faith in Jesus Christ. Okay, so let's settle this. Eternal life in this context is not referring to salvation. So what is Paul referring to? He's referring to an eternal life of relationship. It's a life we live now in relationship with God. It starts today, and it has eternal significance. Eternity starts starts today. That's why we can pray, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth today, right here, right now, in this situation, as it is in heaven. Kingdom comes now. Eternity starts today. You see, that means that we can 
live an abundant life. God's called us to live this abundant life, a life that's overflowing with fruit, the fruit of the Spirit. That means a life overflowing with the character and attributes of God. I want that. We want the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, goodness, self-control. Did I miss any? We want this, right? But here's the thing. If I want fruit in my life, I can't just go, I want an apple, I want an apple, I want an apple, and an apple's just going to show up in my hand. Now, if one of you has an apple, you can come and bring it up here. But It's not going to happen. That's not how it works. Fruit takes time. We have to plant a seed and sow it and water it, and then we have fruit. It takes time. So how does this work? If we want an abundant life, which we can have, friends, it's going to take some time. But it's good. But let me show you how it works. Romans 8, 9 to 11. I'm going to read this in the Amplified. It says, As a believer, you are not living in the flesh, controlled by the sinful nature, but in the spirit. If, in fact, the Spirit of God lives in you, directing and guiding you. But if anyone does not have the Spirit of God, he does not belong to him and is not a child of God. So what he's saying here is that as we choose Jesus as Lord and Savior, Savior, the very Spirit of God, God himself, comes and lives and dwells in us, right? That God himself, with all his power and might, chooses to reside here. We should all stop for a moment and go, wow, that's our God. But then he goes further and he says that he will lead us and guide us by the Spirit. This is what we're talking about. This is how he does it. If we want to see the abundant life that God has called us to, it comes by sowing in the Spirit. So in Galatians, Paul refers to this as walking in step with the Spirit Galatians 6 says, the one who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. So to sow in the Spirit is to do the things that bring us into step with the Spirit. Now remember, this is the opposite of the flesh. So here's some examples. The Spirit says, gain more dependence on God. The flesh says, become more independent. Right? Walk By faith, walk by sight. Store up treasures in heaven, store up treasures on earth. You following me here? Love God as number one? Look out for number one. Serve others or use people to serve you? Allow God to shape and mold us? Or do everything we can in our own strength and ability. These two things are at war. And friends, we continually face the opportunity to sow in the flesh or to sow in the spirit. And if you find yourself struggling to choose the spirit, then I think there's something that we need to check and confirm is actually true in our lives. And Jesus simplified this. I'm not going to give you a long list. I'm going to give you a short list. The short list is two things that Jesus said that we need to do. And he said that all of the law of the prophets is summed up in these two things. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, and your mind. And the second one is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. We've got to start here. These aren't just 
ideas. This is what God says. We got to check and make sure that this is real, not just quotable. That this is revelation, not just information. So when we do that, friends, this gets really easy. When these are in line in our lives, sowing in the Spirit is easy. It actually comes automatically. We automatically find ourselves doing the things that are sowing in the Spirit. We automatically find ourselves spending time in prayer, spending time worshiping God, studying His Word, growing in our knowledge and um, intimate relationship with God. We automatically find ourselves loving our neighbors. Remember, love is an action word. It's not enough to just say it. It's not enough to just think it. Love is something that we demonstrate with action, right? You can't just say to your spouse, I'm not going to tell you I love you anymore because that goes without saying. I'm sorry, that's something that we need to be repeating over and over and demonstrating with our actions. Love is an action word. These are examples of sowing in the Spirit. So sowing in these areas will produce fruit that lasts, friends. And guess what? The flesh hates it when we do it, right? And I really felt to highlight two of many things, but two specific handles that'll maybe help you put your flesh in its right place, that'll help you prefer the spirit. Um, The first one, the flesh really doesn't like, fasting. All right, the flesh really doesn't like this because it really just jolts us. And I don't just mean fasting your favorite TV show. Okay, I mean like real fasting. I mean like stop feeding your carnal body. Jesus said, man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Friends, sometimes fasting puts our flesh in its place. It reminds us that we're not just flesh, that we're living for the spirit. It prefers the spirit. It makes our flesh yield to the plans and purposes of God. I want to encourage you. If you're struggling with this reality, this is a really good handle. Try fasting. And I don't mean you have to just start and try 40 days like Jesus did. Try just a day. Try just a meal, but make an intention, intentional effort that you're not just crucifying the flesh so you can feel good and be like, ha, oh, I did it. No, you're doing it so you can hear what the Spirit's saying. You're preferring the Spirit of God living in you and you're paying attention to what God is saying. You following me? I know you don't like that idea, but I promise it'll work. Okay, the second one is this. Praying continuously. Do you guys know that we can pray continuously? So what do I mean? I mean talking to God at all times about all things. I think sometimes, friends, we take such a, we settle for such a shallow view of prayer. And we only come to God when we want something. It's like, we roll up at a drive through window. Hello, this is Jesus. How may I take your order? Would you like fries with that? That's not the relationship God's called us to. He's called us to an intimate relationship. And in Thessalonians, 1 Thessalonians 5.16, look at this. Rejoice always. Somebody say always. Always. This means there's no excuse to not rejoice. It doesn't matter what's going on. We always rejoice. Then look what else comes. Pray without ceasing. Friends, there is a continual conversation that we can have with God. This is amazing. Not only do we not have to go through the the bishop or the elder to talk to God, 
the priest, we actually are a holy priesthood that has access to God ourselves. We can have continual conversation and we don't have to just go somewhere to get it. You don't have to come here to talk to God. He's with you everywhere. All right. Are we listening though? Are we listening? Are we listening to God? You know, Ezekiel says, when you read through the book of Ezekiel, he highlights that the the word of God, like God to him speaking, is like rushing waters. The crazy thing about rushing waters is they usually don't stop. Waterfalls just don't stop for a season. They might trickle, but they're always running. And Ezekiel refers to God speaking like rushing waters. He's speaking. But have we just kind of tuned it out? Friends, I want to say that the Holy Spirit wants to speak in each circumstance for us. So these two things are huge. If we want to sow in the Spirit, these are really helpful handles. Just think about, for some examples, the situations that you face. Are we giving God airtime? We talk about a relationship like this, but when you're faced with a situation, is our first response to talk to God. When we're going to go meet somebody for coffee, are we actually asking the Holy Spirit what he might want to say? When we go to work in the morning, are we asking God to, to speak through us? Are we trusting him enough that he wants to do that? I want to encourage you that this is a place that God wants to work in our lives. That the Holy Spirit wants to speak, but are we listening? So what are we sowing for? Well, friends, we're sowing for the future. The thing about sowing is that it's for a future growth. There is a, a time between seed and harvest. This is, this is actually a bit challenging for us in a world today because we want instant gratification. We want it to come and happen now. But God says, if we sow, eventually it will grow. It's going to take time. Kind of like parenting, right? All right. It's going to take time. But eventually, they'll grow to maturity. Eventually, we'll see fruit in our lives. But we've got to do the time and we've got to sow. Sowings for the future. If I could highlight a, a movie quote. Um, when we talk about the future, I, I love the movie Gladiator. And he says, what we do in life echoes in eternity. So sometimes the, so, the things we're sowing and we're doing now are actually that which has eternal significance, right? But let's do the time. Let's sow. It's worth it. It echoes in eternity. You know, with God, it isn't about instant gratification. I love how Paul breaks this down and how we have to just keep sowing. And he, he says this um, in verse 9 and 10. And he actually highlights one of the other ways that we sow in the Spirit where he, he refers to loving others and he refers it to it this way. He says, The one who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. And let us not grow weary of doing good, for in due season we will reap if we do not give up. So take the most of every opportunity. Do good to everyone. This stuff matters. This is one example that we sow in the Spirit. I know we live in this era that wants instant results. We want instant gratification. And you know, there's three words that I feel that we need to remind ourselves of the significance of in life. And that's perseverance, 
endurance, and faithfulness. These are good words, friends. And these are words that we as believers need to model for others. Because as Paul highlights, don't give up. If we just keep sowing. You know, I, I don't know. Do you guys remember some of those old kids movies from, I think it was the 90s, Finding Nemo? I don't even remember when that was out. Remember that ridiculous movie with that annoying little blue fish? Dory, I think that was her name. You know, she had like this motto. It was, just keep swimming. Just keep swimming. Just keep swimming. I think if Paul had to quote a ridiculous kids movie, he would probably quote Dory. Just keep sewing. Just keep sewing. It doesn't matter how hard it is. Just keep sewing. It doesn't matter how good it is. Just keep sewing. Through the good times, sew. Through the bad times, sew. God says sew. I ain't going to sing that though, Debbie. If you want to grab a mic... (laughs) But God says so. Just keep sowing. And eventually we will reap, friends. We get so caught up because we want instant fruit. You go, well, I did a good thing. Now someone should do a good thing for me. That's not how it works. Just keep sowing. God is looking out for us. Store up treasures in heaven. This is how we do it. And I really felt to highlight something incredible about our good God. How many of you know we serve a good God? We serve a good God. When I was digging into understanding what he says about sowing and reaping, this is something that should stretch your perspective a bit here. God says sow and he rewards the faithful. And it goes further in his kingdom. You ready? God says that if we sow, we can also reap what others have sown. I want to show you this. And you think, well, Paul, what does that mean? Then you're contradicting yourself. I promise you I'm not. Let's look at this. You see, that seed that we sow will reap a harvest, but others in kingdom have sown too. And at some point, that seed's going to come to harvest. God rewards the faithful sower, and he lets us reap where others have sown. In John 4, here's your example. So this isn't just my brilliant idea. So this is where Jesus has met the woman at the well. And after she's gone and he's told her everything, the disciples come to him and they're trying to feed him. And he says this, he says, Do not say there are yet four months, then comes the harvest. Look, I tell you, lift your eyes and see that the fields are white for harvest. Already the one who reaps is receiving wages and gathering fruit for eternal life so that the sower and the reaper may rejoice together. For here the saying holds true, one sows and another reaps. I send you to reap that which you did not labor. Others have labored and you have entered into their labor. How good is our God that we can reap where others have sown? This is what's amazing about community, friends. When we sow in the spirit and we live for that which is eternal, God lets us reap. And we serve such an incredible God who brings us into this place of freedom. And you know, we're constantly facing these choices to sow in the flesh or to sow in the spirit. To melt snow, it just takes time. But it'll melt. The more we sow in the spirit, the more we walk in the spirit, the more we do that, the more we focus on God and his purposes and walk in that direction, the more the snow melts. This is my encouragement to you guys. I want to say that no matter where you are today, good, bad, indifferent, 
God has a great plan for you. He has a great plan for you. And he says that he will walk with you into his purposes. We need to get our eyes back on Jesus and to sow in the Spirit. Because when we sow in the Spirit, we will reap a harvest. We will live this abundant life. And we will experience the freedom that we're talking about. Amen? Amen. Thank you, friends.